put the picture of my father right beside my husband to be able to say, um, if I can honor my father as much as this, uh, I, what, what, what is remaining from my husband? Which position should he occupy when I get into marriage? Can I look at it from as a continuum that these are male figures? Yeah. And the male man, you know, the Bible says male and female created them. We're all men. But male man, female man. The male man is a symbol of authority. I stopped so that I can sink. Yeah. The male man is a, is a symbol of leadership. The male man is a symbol of responsibility. I've said three things. Authority, leadership, responsibility. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. Verse 2 says, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. See, these are dangerous words. It talks about your chaste conduct, and said it has to be accompanied by fear. Now, when you look at this word here, fear, it's just like when the Bible says that we should fear God. You have to see it from a, a, a perspective. There's fear in terms of horror. The types that, like, you're, you're running away from a snake. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. There's another kind of fear that you have when you stand in front of the CEO of your company. It's not a snake. It doesn't bite. I hope you understand what I'm saying. There's fear as of a terror. That's not the kind of fear the Bible is talking about here. Somebody sit with me today. But fear as of deference and you know, respect and honor, the type that you give, you accord authority. I will say together. I'm, I'm taking time to teach tonight, and I need to follow me carefully. Yeah. Fear, the type that you accord authority. You know, I said the, the male man is a symbol of authority, leadership, and responsibility. So, he doesn't have to exude all the, what makes him look like it. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, I used to have a friend who was PA to one of the past presidents. And, you know, she lived in Asso Rock, you know, worked with the president and all that. And, um, you know, there's, 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 um, there's, there's just, there was just something that, you know, went with all the, you know, paraphernalia of office, you know, and the way they treated the president, you know. Uh, and all the things that surround the office of the president. I remember <laughs> I was at an event. Uh, was, it, was it late last year or something like that? After the presidential inauguration. And um, the current vice president, happened to, uh, have, I happened to have some measure of relationship with him. And when, after inauguration, 
I was invited for the Thanksgiving service for his inauguration in Abuja, which I went. So after the, all that, we didn't see again for a few months. And then an event here in Lagos, uh, his godson was getting married, and he happened to be a protege of mine, so I was invited. So I got there, and the vice president, you know, before I came in, they had come in to shack us up, do all the plays, you know, all those things they do. They did, uh -huh. Eventually, the vice president came in. The whole place was well-guarded, SSS. <laughs> and I was like, it shouldn't be this bad. This is not prof. Prof that I used to sit in front of him in his office and we chat. He now, <laughs> if you see the way the whole place was fenced off. So I summoned courage. I think it was the tire that was with me. I said, tire, I can't be here. And I won't be able to talk to prof or greet prof. No. <laughs> so I said, whatever will happen, it will happen. But I must say, <laughs> I said, we well, have not seen in months. So I walked towards where he was sitting, SSS, like this. But wisdom told me that, no, listen now, listen, 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 listen. Wisdom told me that the only way I can safeguard the situation was to get him to see me. You know, you have to listen to wisdom. Yeah, when you're in that kind of situation. So you can't carry yourself, I'm a pastor. And I just, yeah. <laughs> you know, so as I was walking towards him, towards the, the, his, his table, my table was just, you know, not, as I was walking towards the table, I told myself I will only attempt to walk through to him if, he's, if, if, if we can do eyeball to eyeball, as in if we can see. And that was exactly what happened. Because sometimes God, God is the one that sends you the wisdom, so he helps you to execute it. You know, so as I was coming like this, walking towards the table, he looked up, smiled. The SSS people came for me. <laughs> and Prof was like, hey, what's wrong with you people? He's a pastor. <laughs> he can bless you. <laughs> I beg, leave, leave. <laughs> You know, so the, the, the guys opened up, and then I walked through, and, you know, we were, were able to have a chat. But you see, what I was talking about was the presence around that table. It was like a fly could not come around. If not for the sake of relationship, I couldn't attempt what I did. People were completely fenced up off from that table. In fact, they literally, somebody asked to come, and then they would open up. <laughs> and this was a wedding ceremony. Now, when you stand in front of the president of Nigeria, or vice president and all that, what kind of feeling accompanies it? That's what the Bible is talking about here. You don't, they don't carry guns, so you don't fear them like when an umbrella put a gun to your head. I've experienced that once before. That's not funny. Yeah. If it stays for too long, you may pee. <laughs> yeah. So it's, 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 you understand what I'm saying? That's, that's a kind of fear. This is another kind of fear of, of reference or deference, you know, just, yeah. And that's the kind of, the Bible says, when you observe your chaste conduct accompanied with fear. Give me verse 3. Say, so do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. This was the scriptures that um, early years of Christianity in Nigeria, they laid hold on to stop us from having anything on our hair. 
and putting on jewelry or wearing good apparel. But what the Bible says there, if you can put it back on, on screen for me, is that it says, do not let your adornment be merely outward. Merely outward means it must not stop only with outward. Yeah. Am I permitted to, to wear a wig? Yes. You understand? Can I use earrings? Yes. Can I look good? Yes. But it should not be, the Bible says that's merely, I mean, it should not be merely that. The real thing, it should not be about arrangement of hair and wearing, you know, some, some, some ladies can spend a whole day at the salon, but they, 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 can't, they can't spend one hour with their spouse just to, you know, just to give them attention. Yeah. Some, some, some ladies can spend two hours to dress up just to look good. That is what the Bible says, merely the adornment of arranging the hair, wearing gold, and putting on fine apparel. Look at verse 4. It says, but rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Very precious in the sight of God. Gentle and quiet spirit. So, there's the inner beauty and there's the outer beauty. To be an exceptional wife, you must be able to balance both the inner and the outer beauty. I'm going to say something about that when I'm closing. You know, to the fact that you need to remain attractive. And it has to be a balance between the inner beauty and the outer beauty. The scripture here recommends that the inner beauty is more important. But it does not say that the outer beauty should be something that you don't pay attention to at all. But that when, you know, after all said and done, the inner beauty is what, what, what really sustains uh, um, your exceptionality. Because uh, beauty is vain and, um, you know, Many daughters have done very well. That's what the scripture says. But there's one daughter that has overtaken them all. And it's not just about the physical beauty only, but the inner beauty. So, ladies, can I challenge us tonight? That the greatest asset that you bring into a marriage is the inner beauty, not the outer one. Yeah. Yeah. The outer beauty is not scars. When you do audition for Miss Nigeria Beauty Pageant, you know how many, how many forms that they receive? They use that to rake money. Yeah. Because they, 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 they're probably going to just take maybe about 20 contestants, but they can get 20,000 applications. Yeah. And at 5K, calculate it. Yeah. So, and it, it, and all these ladies will collect the form because they feel that they have the outer beauty that is good enough. Yeah. Some are we're deceiving themselves well, no. But mostly, mostly, there are people who have gotten accolades before. People have told them, oh, and you, you know, you're really, <laughs> yeah. So, but, but don't, 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 don't lose me. This is where I'm going. Outer beauty is not scarce. Inner beauty is what is scarce. We need Ladies who will pay more attention 
to cultivating the inner beauty. Because the inner beauty is what brings exceptionality, not just the outer beauty. That's what brings exceptionality, not just the outer beauty. Praise God. I said praise God. All right, let's get down to Genesis chapter 3. And I'd love to read verse number 17 as I start to look at from the perspective that I did last week. So this is the first part of my message. And if you missed this, you can get a CD. I'm going to the second part right now. The first part, I've been able to deal with what, you know, what a, 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 a woman really should, what, what mindset a woman should have towards what real exceptionality is. Uh, please welcome with me, Pastor Jerry Eze, my, my friend. Yeah. Pastor Jerry, thank you for joining me. Yeah. All right. Um, so, like I was saying, let's get to the second part of this message, which is you are in a marriage and you want to be exceptional as a wife. From last week's discussion, you realize that a huge part of exceptionality comes from your ability to meet needs. Your ability to meet needs. All I've said in the last 10 minutes is just first part, which is just laying foundation, but your ability to meet the needs of a man. Because when, at the end of the day, it's not the community that judges who is the exceptional wife. It is the husband. You can't work at, uh, at Shell and do your appraiser at Mobile. Yeah. Your appraiser is done where you work. Am I saying the truth? Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's the man, it's the husband that determines who is exceptional as a wife. You can be parading yourself, exceptional babe, exceptional this, <laughs> exceptional whatever you like. <laughs> You're on your own. Yeah. Until the man comes, recognizes your exceptionality, decides to marry you, and then in marriage gives you the pass mark that this woman has been exceptional. It's been exceptional. It's been exceptional. You see, uh, in the early days of uh, my marriage, I struggled to mark my wife exceptional. In fact, sometimes I felt, look, why? You didn't pray enough. Because I then remember some of the people I would have dated that I believe could have been a little more exceptional than this. I'm serious. In fact, you know, at some point in the early days of our marriage, I'm very serious with you, and you know, <laughs> some, somehow the, the most marriages go through these phases, but some of us have a fair share, like Pastor Jerry too, because we're sharing his own at the at Elevation Church Island Center yesterday. See, um, I used to wonder why people say things like, when I come back into this world, I'll marry her again. Me, those days, I used to say, <laughs> marry her again. It can never happen. <laughs> you understand? Because I just feel like, why, why, why would I suffer twice? <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure that was what my wife too used to think. I'm serious. That, oh, God. And I married this guy because I thought he was a pastor and he would be, you know, he would just be a great guy, you know, and all that. Because when I married my wife, she, I mean, she used to work in a bank and she had... Lots of suitors that I'm aware of. I'm serious. You know, she's a beautiful lady. You know, we're always running after her. Yeah. In the bank, I was aware of it. Yeah. 
So I prayed extra, really, for God to blind our eyes towards all those people to marry me. But after the marriage, you know, I had seasons of second-guessing my decision based on the fact that I felt that some germane needs were not met. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. It's, it's not difficult for you to have buyer's remorse. All you just need to experience is... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the term, buyer's remorse. Yeah. If you... If you ask any married person. I have a few of them. I live Pastor Idris. Uh, I mean, like, three of... I mean, all these, these ladies in front. The association of married ladies, right? Yeah, they're sitting in front here. You can ask them, you know. Uh, um, bias remorse is almost a regular part of marital experience. Bias remorse simply is when you buy something and then you go to home. You know, <laughs> and you look at the shirt and say, what was I thinking of? How can I buy this shirt for $50? You know, and we're like, what, did they hypnotize me? What is it? Yeah. Has it happened to you before? Many times. I mean, for ladies, for instance, you leave this salon, you, you go home, and you look at yourself in the mirror. And they collected 7K for this hair. What kind of thing is this? I'm not going to that salon again. But you still go. Two weeks, you'll go back. Yeah. So it's the same. It's almost like a regular part of life. It, hap it happens fairly regularly in marriage. I'm, 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 I've not done the statistics but, or the research, but I'm almost definitely sure that 98% of married couples have bias remorse. Yeah. And why it comes to us so quickly is because the moment you get into a marriage relationship, you're, you start to realize needs that you have that you didn't know about before. <laughs> so a man, a single man, needs respect. But a married man comes to the realization of that need much more after he has said I do. Especially now that he has, he believes he has one person who should see him as an object of admiration. By right. Yeah. And the truth is that it's not, it's not a daydream. It's something that should belong to him by right. If anybody, everybody in this world, they conspire together that they will not admire me. My wife must admire me. So it's a lot. I mean, the awareness then skyrockets. It becomes much more than before. I hope you understand what I'm saying. So this is a guy that walked into the office, and uh, all of, I mean, the, all the ladies in the office may just be laughing, sheepishly, and like, you know. And in his mind, he's like, your problem, I have a babe, and I'm still going to get married. Now, he now gets married. And then he gets home, and the same lady is working on the laptop and cannot even say welcome. It's like, so really, I'm that useless? Because they've been telling me at work that. <laughs> but now, the one that I kept at home is doing the same thing. You know, we all have baggage. Yeah. If you're dealing with a low self-esteem, and you, know, you expect people in your office to behave in a certain way towards you, if they are not, you internalize it. Somebody may come to work in the morning, and her husband just slapped her at home. She now came. She didn't greet you. You think it's because you are not dressing nice. That's why she's not greeting you. She has her own problem. 
But you internalize it if you have low self-esteem as if it's your problem. That somebody didn't greet you properly. And when you continue like that, you take it into marriage. So you have a lot of expectation of your spouse, a whole lot. When needs are not met, and like I said, in marriage we become more aware of our needs. We concord some. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. There are needs that you have never been aware of. But when you get married, you start to form them. They, you know, like, you know, somebody you say, look, I don't like it when somebody sits too close to me. I just, I like space. And this was the same person <laughs> that when they were dating, they could not leave each other's hand. But now I say, I just like space. So when I'm on this couch, I don't want anybody around there. So that one is a need that you just formed. Because you are angry. <laughs> so you see all kinds of needs that you are forming when you have gotten into marriage, you know, and all that. So uh, marriage is, is like, it's like a storehouse of needs when you enter into it. That's why to be an exceptional wife, you need to understand the needs of a man and strive to meet them excellently. Yeah. That's plus everything I've said from First Peter chapter uh, three and verse number one to four. Added to, I mean, th that's the foundation for this ex exceptionality because it starts with submission. Um, I have just three needs that I want to talk about that a man has, and then I'll, start, I'll, I'll round off. But before I get into that, I want to go back to that first Peter chapter three and verse number one. But the Bible says there that uh, likewise, wives submit to your own husband you know, and all that. What are the Key issues in submission. I think it will help somebody. What are the key issues in submission? Yeah. You can submit to somebody because they have better experience. Yeah? You can submit to somebody because they're richer than you. You can submit to somebody because the person is an authority figure. You understand what I'm saying? There are so many key issues in submission. You know, the problem that most ladies have, and it robs them of exceptionality in marriage, is that you look at the guy that is trying to proposition you or propose to you, as the case may be. I'm using the wrong word. Proposition is a negative word. <laughs> the proposition for something. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Uh -huh. uh, the guy that is, um, that is toasting you, as the case may be, I mean, you're mostly single, you look for all those things, like, is he an authority figure? Does he know something I don't know? Does he earn more than me? You know, does he have any kind of expertise? You know, and all that. The moment you cannot see that, it then becomes difficult to submit. You know, I was teaching two weeks ago at the Island Center on teaching married people around this subject. You know what I said? which also blessed me, was that for mutual submission, because though the Bible says wife submit to your own husband, husband love your wife also means husband submit to your wife. Yeah, you can't love somebody that you can't submit to. Yeah. So for mutual submission, we must recognize that this man or this woman that I've decided to marry there's something good about them, and there's an area 
of life where they are stronger than me. Because submission comes when we can internalize that properly. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. When you get into the airplane, you want to fly from here to Abuja, from here to London. You don't get in and say, um, so who is the pilot? They say, oh, she's a pilot. And you know, I'm a man. They say, she's even a woman. Uh, I'm even taller than her. Uh, so, what? Well, I'm, not, say, I'm not going again. Or, behave yourself. Oh. <laughs> or let me take over. I hope you understand. It's just like, you know, you understand this better if the plane is made here. You now say, I'm fighting the pilot. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. And the pilot says, I'm not flying anything again. What will you do? Please, I'm playing. I'm playing. Please, go back to your seat. I'm just playing. It's not that bad. I'm just... That's why, you know, because of some people that can go mad mid-here, that's why they seal up the pilots from... That's why we don't have access to them. Because if you are knowing them mid-here, and they say they're not flying, they're not doing a game, let the play just be going... As it's going, <laughs> what will happen? Why, why don't we make noise about, we trust the judgment of the airline that they have put somebody there who has expertise in flying. When I go to the hospital, my physician is a member of the Elevation Church. Yeah. When she tells me, hey, my pastor, they come to the clinic. Okay. So you just need him to check you, right? Lie down, my pastor. I lied. I will lay down. Say, open your mouth. Ah. Because I submit to authority there. I, don't, I know next to nothing about medicine. But I recognize that she went to school. She graduated from University of Ibadan, I think, 1982. She's an elderly woman. Yeah. She's, she's, she's maybe about 60 now. She's a grandmother, actually. So I look at a pedigree. I look at I look at a, a, a level of knowledge. I submit to her. Submission becomes easier if I can draw the line to say, look, this man has something, has an area of strength, has you know, something going for him. I decided to marry him because I see is vision. I see, you know, this. Why would I then get into marriage and it's difficult for me to submit to him? I don't, I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. Does this make sense to anybody here? Yeah. yeah. It's very important. So, by the way, though that's not what we're discussing, but if you marry somebody that you, you cannot respect them in anything, but you marry them, you have created a problem. Because it will be extremely difficult for you to submit to them in anything. So don't do it. You set up yourself for disobeying the word for the rest of your life. Yeah. You just set up yourself for disobedience to the word for the rest of your life. And marriage may not last. Yeah. And it's vice versa. I married my wife. I saw many good things about her. Yeah. I remember when I was... Uh, um, uh, when my wife was switching from journalism to banking, 
on web. Let me even say she was she started in banking, went to journalism, and she was going back into banking, and she needed to write an aptitude test. We were dating. I sat her down in my office and I was coaching her on the aptitude test, you know, and all that. And she was surprised and was like, why would I be able to teach you quantitative analysis? I read engineering, you know. I, you know, I was, I was, I was already a pastor. But she left my office that day thinking, ah, this guy, because that time our dating was not really dating. I was still toasting, you know. <laughs> this is, you know, the guy's not bad. He knows, he knows some stuff. She passed the exam. So what, what are you putting on the table? That's what I'm saying. You know some, so, you know some brothers, the only thing they're putting on the table is scriptures. <laughs> but, but that's still something anyway. Because some people don't even know scripture. They don't know nothing. Yeah. That's still something. So you, you, you have to marry somebody that you can respect. So from that point of view, to be an exceptional wife... Pay attention to respecting the man. Yeah. Treat your husband like a king. A man is not a man without his ego. Yeah. Every man has a measure of ego. We have it in certain measures. Some people have a full dose, while some people have it, you know, in a lesser dose. Whatever dosage, the man that will come into your life will be. Make sure that you. Give a full level of respect. Before God, we are equal. And that's why a man should not uh, really abuse the issue of submission. But a woman must respect the man. Show him some respect, especially in public. It's very important. Notwithstanding how angry you are, you must not disrespect a man in public. If you want to be an exceptional wife, if you want to be ordinary, you can do whatever you like. But if you want to be an exceptional because we are discussing exceptional wife. If you want to be anyhow wife, yeah. But if you want to be an exceptional wife, don't disrespect a man. And especially in public. Be his best friend. And a non-judgmental one at that. Be a good listener. Become his confidant, you know, be his confidant, somebody that can, you know, really, that it, it can be, you know, some women complain, they nag, they do this, so the husband stop talking to them. Can you practice exceptionality by allowing, you know, your husband to, to have some measure of confidence in you? In, especially in terms of the fact that anything you tell them, they, they, I mean, anything they tell you, they know you hear them out first before you judge them. Tell him it's significant. Don't only tell him, show it that it's significant. You see, when some of us look at our parents, maybe the way my mom will serve my dad, and we say that is old school. Can I tell you the truth? I can agree with you to a certain extent that it may be old school. But there's something in it that is not old school. That is the honor or the respect. 
show it in the modern day. I hope you understand what I'm saying. So if you believe that all those, oh, kneeling down to serve your husband is old school, there's a modern way of showing honor and respect so that you can call up the king in a man. They say in every man there's a king and a fool. The one you speak to is the one that will answer to you. If you see anybody that is me, I, I mean, uh, um, you know in the Bible, the story of Nabal and Abigail. Nabal and Abigail. David, the king, sent his men to Nabal, who was sharing his sheep and, you know, said, oh, give us stuff. He was like doing some bit of harvest and all that. And David and his men were in the backside of nowhere. He wasn't a king then. He was a fugitive. And then he sent a message to Nabal. And Nabal chased David's boys away and said, ooh. Which useless David? The man that ran away from his master's house. When they told David, David said, Today, don't call me, call me a bastard. If any male person remains in the neighbor's house, they're going to wipe out all the male figures, young and old. There was a spirit of, you know, an evil spirit that came upon David. To take out all the male kids in neighbor's lineage. But for Abigail, who got wind of it and ran to meet David on the way while he was still coming with his men, Abigail, you know, went down on her knees and said, Not you, my Lord, not you. You can't. You, you, you won't do this. You are a king. You have not ascended the throne, but do you want to ascend the throne? And the blood of the innocent will be in your hand. You won't do this. That evil spirit left David. That anger, that, you know, that foolishness left him. David recognized that. Ah, so there can be a woman that will just speak to me and the devil will leave me. It's better to carry this woman with me. So the devil will not come near me. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. The devil will not even come near me again. That was why. Nabal had a heart attack a few days later. The moment David heard that Nabal had a heart attack, he went straight for Abigail and married her. That's a king and a fool in every man. Nabal spoke to the fool in David. The fool responded. Full blown. The fool was coming with AK-47 to wipe out. Yeah. Neighbor, I mean, Abigail went and spoke to the king in David. David was not yet king. And reminded him and brought him to speed about who he has been created to be. The evil spirit left David. The anger left David. David calmed down. And you know how refreshing it was when wisdom just dawns on you? You know, some people will just speak to you. And you just realize the gap. I don't want to say how dumb you are, but you realize the gap, <laughs> the huge gap. And then you tell yourself, I need to stay closer to this person. My life will move faster if I hang around this kind of person. That's what happened. You need to be that kind of a woman to be exceptional. Abigail was an example of an exceptional wife in the Bible. She didn't have the opportunity of being a widow for one day. This guy had a heart attack and died. David snatched her immediately before another man would look because he has experienced the exceptionality. Are you still with me today? 
just snatched her up immediately and married her. So, telling me significant, demonstrates a meek and quiet spirit, like First Peter 3, 4 said. I explained that earlier on. Praise him publicly and don't disrespect him in public. Secondly, uh, um, now, when, when we talk about praise him publicly, don't disrespect him in public or in the presence of his friends and family and all that. Uh, uh, at the same time, don't allow others to do that successfully. Yeah. You shouldn't be in a place and somebody's rubbishing your husband, uh, you're crossing your leg and finding, and you know, just, yeah, there's no problem. And in your mind, you're telling her, he's a fool. Tell him. Tell him. Yeah. You know, some people, instead of fighting for their spouse when they're in public, they try to say, all the things I've been telling, trying to tell you at home, you didn't listen. Somebody is telling you today. So, if, I, if they have the opportunity, they will say, tell him, do it more. Yeah. Yeah. An exceptional wife would defend the husband there, and then when they get home, will say, my husband, this is what you didn't do well. I know I fought for you, but we need to tell ourselves the truth. So I'm not indulging you to destruction. Yeah. I'm not indulging your personal weakness. I have to at least be able to tell you the truth, but it's better said here. Yeah. When somebody, men, listen to me. I'm handling a case currently, and I'm praying seriously that that marriage will not break. They're already separated. I had this couple, and I sat down with them and um, had a discussion. One of the things that the guy said was that, Pastor, I've suffered. This woman has suffered my life. Said, if I'd known, I should not have married her. Said, I, I saw the signs. Said, while we were dating, this lady came to my house one day. And I have two sisters. One older and um, maybe one about my age or something, or a little younger than me. And no, the two of them are older than him. But one is a stepsister, one is a direct sister. So this lady that she was cutting, she already had the engagement ring and all that. So she came into the house, and she greeted the older sister, direct older sister. And you know, the Yoruba people say, auntie, so-and-so, you know. And then the other person came, and his own mom is late. So it's the stepmom that is the mother of the house. And this other lady is the firstborn of the stepmom. And he's younger, you know, to her. So... The other lady came, and the, the girlfriend did not really greet her. Just greeted her like, uh, yeah, Felicia, what's up? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Where well, I said, Auntie Molade, good afternoon, ma. Feluke, what's up? You know. So he said, he pulled her aside and said, look, my stepmom would think it's because she's my stepsister. That's why you're not showing her respect, you know, and all that. You know what the lady did? She removed the engagement ring and threw it at him and said, what? So I should be, so all your, even your cat in this house, I should be calling them and or what? What's the meaning of all that? So your cat and your dog or your pets, I should be needing that for all of them. Now this is eight years later. And a few months ago, they were in my office. And this guy was still recounting this and saying, Pastor, that day, God showed me sign, but I neglected it. As I speak now, they're separated. And I'm, I'm still working with them. I still 
uh, I was still in communication with the guy this week, but I was supposed to see maybe this weekend or something. I'm still communicating with them. There are certain things, see, I'm not trying to judge the situation because that's his own side to it. I've since listened to the ladies several I've sat down with both of them, we're resolving the issues. But if by anything of chance the guy is right, it meant that he should have addressed the situation because how do you go with someone who is appealing to the fool in you? Because this guy now got violent in the marriage, which is why they are now apart. Because this lady perhaps has been appealing only to the fool in him all of the time. You understand? Yeah. And see, when you get those warning signs before you get into marriage, sometimes it's just for you to know that this is what I may have to be dealing with. Am I ready for it? Sometimes it doesn't show up before. But if it shows up before, it gives you an opportunity to, to be able to make a, a good judgment call. Encouragement is another key thing that a man needs. In Genesis chapter 3, when you read, when God started to talk to man about his own, you know last week I read about what God said to Eve. You need to also read what God said to Adam. God told Adam that he will have to walk and toil and sweat. It then means that man will always have need for significance. Just like what we said last week, God told woman, your desire will be towards your husband. And, you know, in the, if you have painful labor and all, everything that God said to the woman is about husband and family. That's why women are more, you know, they, 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 they tend towards, they need tend towards more of security and how the family will be okay. Am I saying the truth? We discussed that last week. Yeah. In this case, man, when God will be talking to man, he cursed the ground and did all that, everything that has to do with work and significance. Those were the things God addressed. Now, in the New Testament, Grace covers all that for us. So we're not under any curse or anything like that. But the fact that every man will have to come to know Christ and we have the Adamic nature before we come into Christ will still mean that our quest for significance, deriving pleasure from the work of our hand and showing that we're truly existing by how we produce, we still remain important to us. That's why a man needs encouragement. A man needs validation. He needs to be recognized that he's making, he's doing something with his life. Everything that God said around man is all around doing, you know, your, your, you would derive your esteem from what you do, literally speaking. God said, I'll curse the ground for your sake. You will toil. Things will come out, but it will be work. It won't be automatic. Yeah. Are you still with me today? So a man needs a lot of encouragement. Uh, so you seek to understand him. Care for his castle. That's his home. Don't treat his house anyhow. It's your house, too. But, yeah. Make him laugh. There's a boy in every man that still wants to have fun and overcome the stress of performance. You know, what I'm talking about is the stress of performance. 
there's always there's a boy in every man. He wants to overcome the stress of performance. At work, it's about performance, performance. At home, it shouldn't be too much about performance again. Let's laugh. Let's let's have fun. Let's you know, all that kind of thing. Are you still with me today? I said, are you still with me? Trust your man. An exceptional wife will, will give a benefit of a doubt. The trust. Any marriage, any relationship that will not start out from the standpoint of trust, there's already a problem there. Yeah. Even just a simple dating relationship we're having trust issues, we should tread with caution. We shouldn't continue so easily. So you need to trust your man. Because the moment you cannot trust the man, you'll be operating the gift of the spirit that is called suspicion. <laughs> I know it's not part of the nine gifts of the spirit. Maybe it's the tenth one. Because a lot of Christians operate it, and I don't know where they got it from. Suspicion. Always suspecting something, suspecting something, suspecting something. Lastly, I kept this to the last because I don't want to overemphasize it here. Because the Bible says we should not awaken love before it's time. One of, the greatest, one of the greatest needs of a man in marriage is sex. The duty of an exceptional wife is to WHO's husband. WHO then stands for wipe him out. So you need to light his fire. Yeah. You are not permitted to do this anywhere else except in your living room. Yeah. And to your husband. So as a single person, you need to understand that there's a whole lot of this embedded into marriage. So don't waste your time doing it all around the place now. Like any Lagos girl. You're not a Lagos girl. You're a child of God. You're a daughter of Zion. Yeah. A daughter of Zion. So reserve all those shenanigans for marriage. There's, there's a room for shenanigans in marriage. You just do as occasion demand. Yeah. You light his fire. You wipe him out as many times as possible. Yeah. I told you I don't want to speak to it so much because you are. <laughs> I, 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 I'm in my element when I'm speaking to couples. But here I'll temper it. Yeah. Bible says you will not awaken love before it's time. All right? But just keep at the back of your mind. That after I do, there's WHO. Yeah. Before I do, don't get near. But after I do, there's WHO. The, 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 an exceptional wife is the one that can wipe the husband out consistently. You see, when a man has eaten and is full, he can't buy granite on the road. That's wisdom I'm giving you. Yeah. Any man that had three course me for lunch cannot be going from Lagos Island to mainland and be buying Bali in public or Gala on top of Bridge after three course me. Yeah. That's a demon. It's not normal. You can't have three course me, real food, like you just left uh, Oriental Hotel or this thing. They put <laughs> all sorts on the table. You hurt anyhow, like there's no tomorrow. You now go to Tommy Lambert and say, yes, Gala, yes. <laughs> you won't even look in that direction. Yeah. Because all these funny Lagos girls, they're just like Gala. Next to nothing. 
No value, you know. You understand what I'm saying? Junk food. So you need to take care of your husband. Yeah, it must be at the back of your mind that a man has a need for good sex. Yeah, that's how God wired us, men. Yeah. And a man is moved by what he sees. That's why a woman must keep herself and remain attractive. The woman must remain attractive. Yeah. So stay attractive. Stay attractive. It's very important. I talked about inner beauty. The outer beauty is important because a man has been configured to be moved by what he sees. Yeah. One of my daughters is seriously interested in, in developing culinary skills. So she watches the Food Channel a lot of the time, my older daughter. And you know, sometimes we discuss it. I sit down to watch the Food Channel with them. So we see how the food is prepared. But you see, the, the best part of watching some of those channels is when they put all the garnishing and they arrange. There's, it's an art. You understand what I'm saying? It, it, it has nothing to do with the sweetness of the food. The packaging, there's an appeal that comes with it. Without that, you may not even eat the food. The food may be sweet, but when it's not packaged properly. Yeah. And the difference between a professional chef and mama put is packaging. It's packaging. Because they will put small leaf and <laughs> uh, some things like that and just arrange it on the, this thing for you. And I mean, I, <laughs> I have the privilege of eating in finest restaurants around the world. You know, people take me out. I preach around the world. And then the pastors take me out on lunch date, dinner date. Pastor Jerry, you know what I'm saying. And you enter Italian restaurant and they put something small. And then they bring the bills, $150. Yeah. I'm not the one paying, so I don't have any problem with it. Yeah. But... <laughs> But it's just the packaging. On top of all that, I still prefer my Amala. Yeah. As a proper Yoruba man. You understand what I'm saying? But, so packaging is very important. Extremely important. Are you blessed tonight? Yes. Tell yourself, tell your neighbor for me. You have to be an exceptional wife. Put your best foot forward. Yeah. Be the exceptional wife. Before I pray, I know there may be one or two questions. Pastor Jerry, can you come? If you don't mind, please. Okay. Can I tell you the truth? I don't know why I called him. I just want him to say something. That's why I called him. So I, I have no agenda. I just wanted you to say something. And um, if you have any question, you can ask him. It's better at asking questions than me. Uh, people who are in the service yesterday will tell you that you did better when we're asking questions. So. Okay, I'm waiting for the questions, actually. Mm. Okay. But before they say something. Okay. <laughs> um, I think... Uh, uh, you know, it's very difficult to know what to say after having heard such a powerful thing. But maybe I will tell you um, a story of my life, uh, just one very short story. Um, I remember several years ago, like when the man of God just ended with the subject of um, making sure that um, you, don't, you don't distribute it around. 
you don't distribute it around, knowing exactly what you carry and knowing exactly who you are and knowing how much you are begotten of God. And that is why it is not um, something that you do. Sex is not something you do everywhere and anyhow and with anyone. Um, several years ago, I, uh, I mean, I, I came from a very poor home, the kind of poverty that poor people will even say you're poor. And, uh, and uh, I happened to be abroad, like, uh, it's almost like, uh, how many years is it getting to? Maybe like 15 years or something, about that time, or maybe close 20. And I got at, into the airport, and then I was very fascinated. I was there. I'd, I'd never seen too many white people at the same time. So it was really, and the air was different and all that. Cut the entire long story short, I knelt down. Yes, I knelt down. I knelt down at the airport, and I started crying. I said, God, thank you very much. Nobody would have brought me this far. Nobody would have helped me. Nobody. It wasn't an uncle. It wasn't an auntie. It wasn't a family. It was just you, you know, that did this. And I was really, really very thankful to God. And while I was being very thankful and uh, raising my hands, and I really didn't care. I'm sure if uh, Abdul Mutalab must have done what he did, you know, they would have actually regarded me as a terrorist with the way I was actually behaving. In fact, at some point, a woman had to come close to me to hold my hand. Cut the entire long story short, I heard God say to me, and he said, and I don't forget, and I say it every time I have to uh, speak to young people. And God said to me, you honored me with your sexuality. I am yet to honor you. And these were several years ago. I didn't have a direction. I didn't know I was going to be with. I hadn't even started working for the United Nations then. I hadn't even, of course, there was no ministry in focus that time and all that. And this was several years ago. And today, countdown, several years after, I think that every time you say no to illicit sex, every time you say no to premarital sex, heaven never forgot. Every time you said, I won't open my blouse, I can't open my zip for the wrong person. Every time you say no, I want you to know that heaven took note. And if indeed the scriptures cannot be broken, it will count in your life. It will definitely count in your life. I came to um, maybe strengthen everybody who has made a resolve. So far, I'm going to leave sex out until marriage comes. Please keep at it. You will, if a man requires sex for there to be marriage or requires sex for the dating to continue, then he doesn't even know what he wants, you know, because we don't, uh, um, uh, there, there are questions that are very important in exam. You know, those are the ones that you solve first, not you go to the ones that are very unimportant and you start solving those ones, you know. And there are, there are, there are classes you need to get to after you must have passed some other classes. And so I just came to just encourage and just give this line, keep at it, heaven never forgets. God bless you. So is, is there any question at this point? Okay, is that a hand or a microphone? Microphone. Okay. Okay, somebody's hand is, is that your hand? You know, you know what, what we can also do um, is that it may be difficult for some people to ask some particular kind of question. So if you want to write, that will also be okay. Yeah. 
if you can just write why we take it anyone that anybody is willing to just say it yeah and you you know you can say it and let us know it's, it actually happened to your cousin <laughs> yeah that that will also work yeah so but anyhow if you if you probably just just write down okay there's there's a hand somewhere So if you need a paper, you can just let the ushers know or something. But some of us have notebooks. You can just tear something, write something, and um, and pass it. Go on. Yeah. Um, Pastor, I know last week you didn't really emphasize much on the woman's need for respect as well. So I just wanted you to sort of emphasize that for the men. And also, how does an exceptional wife deal with family members, like mother-in-laws and mother-in-laws and, you know, mother-in-laws? And, and I'm thinking that if I heard Pastor very well while he was talking, he was able to also talk about mutual submission. And in mutual submission, never, and this is it, never getting to marriage, having a mindset that my husband must respect me. I want you to know that. Never getting to marriage, having a mindset that I see in this marriage, he must give me my due respect. Um, I, I just want you to go into marriage with a mindset of understanding that I am going to be the woman God wants me to be in this marriage. You know? Now, if I get respect by the end of the day in marriage, glory be to God. But if it doesn't come, I'm still going to be the woman that I'm supposed to be in this marriage. And so um, for the men, it's actually very... I, I, I will rather consider it a little stupid for a man who does not respect his wife. I believe that if I have any greatest treasure to show forth, it should be my wife. I believe if I have any, um, any endorsement to my life and my ministry, it should be my wife. Look at my wife and you see a bundle of self-esteem. Look at my wife and see a woman who is dazzling, who is full of life, who is full of smile, who is full of laughter, and whose life makes sense because I give her maximum respect and all that. But the truth is, and we must underline it, the way a man will be respected is not the same way a woman is going to be respected. And it is very, very, very simple. But then again, I will also say, when you get into marriage, don't get into marriage seeking for your respect. And you know the truth is that if you married from different cultures, like I, I mean, I married a cross-reverian. If you married cross, I mean, there are, there are, there are, yes, I married uh, a Kalaba woman. That's the truth. She makes the finest Afang soup in the whole world. And because of that, the way she was trained and cultured as well, I came from a background where we respect people. We understand what, or I understood respect from, you know, the proper respect and all that. But then again, she was, she's more exposed that, you know where I'm coming from now. So that background, we, you must respect people. So she's coming from a background where things don't matter, you know. I, know, I mean, the first time, I mean, we, we, we lived together and we woke up in the morning and then uh, she woke up before me. And then when I woke up and then I looked at her, she looked at me and she said, hi. You know, I thought, oh, no, you don't say hi. Greet me properly. You know, I know, and that was not the idea. And we just kept going back and forth on that, you know, until I came to a realization, you know what? Where she's coming from is different from where I'm coming from. Always realize also that what dictates respect 
is not the standard that humans have set. Always realize that, that it's not the standard that we have in our milieu. That is what, um, um, when John and Mary got married, this is the way they behaved. Now, that's John and Mary. That's not us. So you need to understand the language of respect in your house. You need to understand what your husband or your wife thinks is respect. And when you understand that, then you probably, you know, work with that as well. And then um, secondly, how do you deal with uh, mother-in-laws and uh, brothers-in-law uh, and uh, all the in-laws and all that? Um, I think right now that um, uh, I have, and I'm not, I'm, I say this, I say the good, I say the bad about my life. I think that I have one of the most fascinating mother-in-laws of all time. You know, and and reason is that um, there is no special way to deal with them otherwise than being a Christian. There is no anybody who gives you a model of relating with your uh, mothers-in-law or fathers-in-law or brothers-in-law or sisters-in-law. I I would really look at that model and wonder again because as a born-again Christian, it's already stated. You know, the Bible says follow peace. Now, these guys are not going to. The truth is. When I got married to my wife, now, I had my foster parents. When I was getting married to my wife, I had my foster parents. They loved me so much. They also say they loved my wife. But at some point, I realized they were not at home with my wife. Now, because I could feel it, even though they didn't say it, that all of a sudden, there's this girl that has coming. There's this girl that he's now talking to. There's this girl that, um, you know, my wife didn't do anything wrong. She hasn't shown them something that time. You know, she eventually showed them. But <laughs> she hadn't shown them that time. You know, but I could, I could feel the tension of uh, where I, why are you coming in? What are you coming in to do? Um, uh, you are taking the attention. If you find out, please don't say they are fighting you. It is normal. It is normal. This is a family that I've always probably known four of them, and all of a sudden you're entering five. You need to give them time to accept you. Now, if you think acceptance is automatic, you are lying. I need you to understand. If you think they're going to, oh, the mother saw me and embraced me, and if that kind of a person does that, maybe it might actually be the favor of God upon your life, or maybe, you know, but if not, I want you to know it's not automatic. Give them time to accept you, give them time to accommodate you, and all you have to give is just love. Keep loving them, keep accepting them, keep appreciating them. Like I said, the backgrounds are not the same. Apparently that family, there's a way they do. There's a way they, and you must also consider the fact that they won't tell you everything. There are families that are so close-knit, and you're coming, and then you wonder why are they not, I'm supposed to sit in that conversation, I'm supposed to, what did they discuss? You are just coming, cool down, cool down first. And when you understand it, and by the time you earn it, by the time you earn it, you find out that most of these things do not really matter after all. I hope I answered your questions. Thank you, Pastor Jerry. Thank you. Uh, just to add one thought to uh, what, what Pastor Jerry said about managing in-laws, um, I was also hard to that by saying that you need to put your best foot forward when you're dealing with your in-laws. He said there's no better way to manage them than to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what I should pretend is that uh, the, the way you will honor and respect your own parents should be the way you honor and respect your in-laws. To my mother-in-law, 
I mean, my dad is late. I, uh, my mom is alive, and my parents-in-law are both alive. And to my mother-in-law, I'm the best son in the world. Yeah. Just not because I'm a pastor or anything, but because the same way I will honor my mom, mm -hmm. the same way I will honor her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's the same, you know, to my father-in-law, it's the same. My, 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 my wife, they just, they're four, four kids in the family, and the first three are girls. And they only have a last born that is a son, and a, a male child that is now, um, a, I mean, grown up in his 30s, lives abroad. So he lives abroad, he's not here. I'm the only other, like, man in that house. Mm -hmm. And I take care of my father-in-law as if I'm his son you know, and care for them. So there's no way. See, my mother-in-law is coming from Ibano to visit us in Lagos. There's something special that's bringing for me all the time, without fail. Yeah. So that, that's the kind of relationship you should have with them. And you should, you should make up your mind you want to love them and care for them. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Love them and care for them. I challenge my, my wife and her siblings. Oh, it's my mother-in-law's... Uh, 60th or 70th birthday. I, 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 there's one day I told them, I said, this gift that you want to give to your mom, if you proceed to give this gift, me, I'll dissociate myself from it and buy my own that will be bigger than all of you. Because I feel this woman deserves more honor than this. Mm. She's mm. not my mom. But I'm part of the family. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Mm. If you do that, you won't have a problem with them. Now, I haven't said that. I know some of you are still looking like these pastors are just talking like Christian. <laughs> you know. Now, when you talk about in-laws or any external factor, there are three kinds of people. I've taught this in the midweek service at the Elevation Church before. Three kinds of people. You have good people, unreasonable people and wicked people. Paul was praying. He said, deliver us from mm. wicked and unreasonable men. Mm. Mm. So there are unreasonable men, and there are wicked men, and there are good people. And in-laws will come in those three shades as well. <laughs> we, we have enjoyed wisdom from God to get the best out of our in-laws. And that's the story that you're hearing. And we're saying, do the same. Embrace the wisdom of God to behave like a Christian. But if you meet an unreasonable in-law, there's a couple in our church at the mainland center many years ago. A lady walked up to me. and said, Pastor, I'm tired. I said, why? Don't be tired. I said, why? They said, how can we leave church every Sunday to go to the mainland to go and see my father-in-law and eat lunch, have lunch every Sunday? And if we don't go, we're in trouble. What kind of father-in-law is that? You know, the truth was speaking to needs. The man has a need for companionship. But he has taken the need so far, he's has become unreasonable. Is he wicked? No. But is he unreasonable? Yes. Because we can't do this every Sunday. Mm -mm. We have our own life to live. Mm. <laughs> I hope you are getting what I'm saying. So you need to ask yourself, when you meet unreasonable people, and not just in-laws, you need wisdom. You need sometimes to just be firm. Mm -hmm. To say, this is, 
These are the boundaries. This is what we're able to do. This is what we're not able to do. When you meet wicked people, you need Holy Ghost fire. <laughs> yeah. Because some people are just wicked. And it's because they are evil. Yeah. So you need to trust God for grace to deal with wickedness. To stand in the place of prayer. Because you may have a wicked in-law, but when it comes to your case, the favor of God covers you. Yeah. They are spitting fire on everybody, but when you show up, ah, oh, my daughter, welcome. I'm alone, and I just love her like that. You understand what I'm saying? That's what should be at the back of your mind. So don't, don't, I'm just saying that just to create a bit of balance because we meet all kinds of people in life. But we need to be aware of it first. But when you meet good people, you just need to be good as well. They reciprocate. All right. Pastor Jerry, we still have a few more questions. Apparently, we won't be able to go to where we want to go again. We'll go somewhere else. Okay. Nice. <laughs> In today's society, a lot of men refuse to go into a relationship if you do not believe in premarital sex. How do you how do you, how do you deal with this? When you meet a guy that ticks all the boxes, but there's that problem. So it's a good guy, but he said, Let, let's get down. Guys say, I'm good, but we need to get down. So, okay, what do you do if your husband stops working and you are the only one working for like five years without him really, without, without him even ready to do anything? Okay, let's, let's, let's try these two first. Okay, let me begin with the second one. Um, you've been working for the past five years, and the problem I have with this question is not that he's not working. The problem I have with it is that he's not ready. He's not ready to do anything. I mean, um, it's an eventuality. It could happen to anyone. For some reason, you know, he could have lost his job and he's been out of job for five years and all that. It was never meant to be so from the beginning. Now, every man was meant to work. Now, even if your wife is earning the whole world, you need to go and get a job. You know, which is most important also, as we date and we're preparing to get married also, apparently, like the man of God said, some people say, I saw the sign. It's possible you saw the sign that this guy does not like work from the word go. And then you called it love or whatever. Now that you have entered into the marriage, you now want him to start working. But he showed you that he doesn't like to work. But the bottom line of it all is very simple. Um... All you have to do for the man that is not working is that, please, try and communicate your expectations. Communicate that expect. Don't say, is he not supposed to know? Sometimes they pretend and they really act like they, they, were, they are not supposed to know. Secondly, like you have a pastor and then he is not working for the past five years. Report him. Yes, uh, I mean, if it's an issue that is beginning to threaten your marriage, the Bible did not say any woman that cannot provide for the family is worse than, the Bible did not say woman. The Bible says man and all that. And in the scripture, as far as scripture is concerned, there can never be any role swap. Now, I believe that the woman is there to provide the needed help, not for the woman herself to become the mainstay of the family. And so what do you do? 
thirdly is that pray for him that he will come to a full understanding where he understands that he needs to provide for his family and why I talked about the place of communication, maybe there are unsaid things that he has not told you. Why he's not working. Or maybe there's a way he feels about himself. Or maybe there's a way, you know, just, just, just maybe there are just a, a cocktail of different issues. But try and talk. I've seen a situation where a man did not feel up to working because his wife earns way, way more than him. And then he believes that even if I start working, I can't even earn much. But even though he had a preference for doing business, he wanted to do business. But uh, whose money are you going to use to do the business? So, but the bottom line of it all is that I think that this is very important. Communicate with him, speak to your man of God, and above all, I need you to pray about it and all that. So, but when you communicate a lot of other issues that you thought you knew are apparently going to come up. Uh, PG, I don't know whether you... Okay. That, that, that's, that's good enough. All right. It's good, good, very good. And for, for, for the people, now this is, this, is, this is obvious. A lot of people right now, this is what it is. Um, if you can't have sex with me, uh, I cannot uh, marry you. I cannot, uh, if you can't do it, I can't uh, do it with you and all of that. Now, I always would ask um, singles this question. What is the probability that after you've done it with him, that he will eventually walk down the aisle with you. Now, what is the probability? Sincerely, there are some of us here who have done it with them. Now, I'm not asking you to act like it is true. Act like what I'm saying is a lie. Now, you've done it with them because of the pressure they brought down on you, but yet the marriage did not work out. The relationship did not see the light of the day and all that. So if that is the only reason why you will not walk down the aisle with me, I dare say you are not the one. I dare say that, um, I, mean, I mean, our values are not the same. I'm not saying, now, don't misinterpret it to mean there are times when, um, uh, maybe I can say this and be as real as I want in my heart, there are times when you're dating someone or maybe you're in a relationship with someone and they, are, they have a momentary hormone um, uh, craziness, you know, and all that, that day looks like um, they had a handshake with Lucifer, you know, because that day, uh, that's the only thing they'll be yeah, talking about. On, talking about. Heat. Uh, you know, they're just, uh, please now, please now, please now. Mm, mm, mm. I need you at that point in time to realize that that is not who he is, but that's just what he's feeling. Don't say that, you see, this one has joined them again. He's now asking me for the same thing. Others have been asking me. But if it becomes perpetual, and now that is what he's really asking for, you know, at that point in time, is about to walk away. Now, I say this again. How do you want to build the foundation of a lifelong relationship on the wrong foundation? And nothing ever gives a major crack to your union than doing this. The Bible says, he that commits fornication with a woman lacks understanding. A wound and dishonor shall he get. And it, in fact, the Bible says adultery, actually. You know, a wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. So it's important for you to understand that as I begin this, if all they want, let me tell you, if all you are worth to a man is what he sees, then he doesn't know who you are. Because at the point he wants to have sex with you, there's nothing else he's thinking of. He's thinking of your breast. He's thinking of your bum. He's thinking of just 
what his eyes, you know, he's been able to perceive. Is that all I am worth? Now, if this is all I am worth, it's not enough to sustain the marriage. If all, this is all you're seeing right now, if all that I am, the summary of me to you is this thing, then we can't go far because we're going to have this sex and um, I don't know how long, um, well, let me not go into graphics. It's for married people and all that. But I don't know how long that is going to last. But when it is done, we all come back to consciousness and it is now time for us to actually make the marriage work. So if they say there must be premarital sex. Ah, you know, I need to. I, somebody asked that question yesterday um, in church because uh, I want to test sexual compatibility. You know, I want to know how compatible we are. I, I want to know this thing and all that. You know, um, this is not, uh, if it's for married people, I would have told you people my story. You know, but the truth is that there is nothing you cannot learn. There is nothing you cannot learn. And the person also asked the question, uh, let me know, the, because these are myths that they've thrown at you. I want to know the size. <laughs> Pastor, that's part of the question. Yeah. Yes, yes. I also want to know the size some, and all that. And Some bad people uh, are in service. Yes, yeah, so, so, really bad guys. Yeah. No. <laughs> and the truth is that, like they say, it, not like they say, um, I can tell you this for free, that most times... Uh, you know this thing, so let me not even pretend. Uh, let me say it the way it is. You know, most times, it's not how big or how small it is. It is what you do with it. You have read it somewhere and all that. I need to check. And then that is how the meat begins to build up in your mind. Please, I need you to understand that these are terrible lies that the devil is dishing out in order to turn your mind and make you want to do it. So for us, for in the kingdom where we belong to, in the kingdom where we belong to, having sex before marriage is a no-no. And anybody that insists on it, there's a place that we, we collect some cards and we hand over to the person. And then we ask him to go. So like Pastor Jerry said, um, we need to be aware, aware of the fact that don't, I mean, we shouldn't generalize that all the brothers are like that or whatever. Because if you already have that mindset, so if you're uh, hanging out with a brother or you are you're dating and the person is, you know, is maybe trying to get close, or he's just, he's tempted. It doesn't mean that he has said that, except we have sex, we can't marry. There are some people who do that. They're very bad guys who say that. But there's some other guys that they're just tempted. You just need to help them and speak sense to their head. Mm. Brother James, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> this is not right. Yeah. And we are not supposed to be doing this as a Christian. Yeah. You see, the way God works, both of you cannot go mad at the same time. Mm. Yeah. There's somebody who always who is always calm and collected when the other person is going like, you know, and then sisters, let's realize that men are moved by what they see. You can't be hanging around a guy you are dating, you're wearing C2 blouse and all that, and you, you, you think you won't want to touch what he's seeing. It's just that's how he's wired. Don't walk him up. You know, some, some, some ladies will say, oh, my love language is physical touch. Mm. You know, so the guy that I'm dating must be able to hug mm. me. Hug me. Mm. Hug me. You know? Mm. <laughs> mm. You know, I don't know. You're setting the guy up for trouble. Mm. He will hug you properly. <laughs> and I'm telling you the truth. You're setting the guy up for trouble. 
I told them at the island church uh, last week or so that if you say it's physical touch is your love language, it's mm. not physical touch. Mm. Yeah, it's physical touch, and this is also physical touch. Mm -hmm. You understand? Mm -hmm. And we can walk on Admiralty Way like mm -hmm. this, mm -hmm. and we have, and you have enjoyed physical touch mm -hmm. that will last you one week. If you do that, just on the Koyi Bridge, you know, you just hold and and are walking down to Koyi, you know. Mm -hmm. And all that. It's physical touch. Physical touch does not have to mean, oh, you know, you know, some, some ladies, this is physical touch. <laughs> so carry me now. Mm. Carry me now. Mm. <laughs> how, how do you do that to a guy and you feel like his head will not turn? It will turn <laughs> properly on fire. And then the lady will say, Is it possible? I, I don't have anything in mind. I just, I just know that when I'm dating a guy, I mean, the guy should just be able to be close and, mm. and I don't want to. It doesn't work for a guy. Not by any chance. All the guys in the house say amen. Amen. Yeah. And the truth is that it will never work for us because of the way we are wired. Yeah. So if, at, I mean, by any chance, the lady should be the one that is a, is a, she's a curator of moderation in a relationship. Most guys don't have the capacity to curate moderation mm. in a dating relationship. Mm. Yeah. The guys are the ones that will stretch the boundary first. That's how we are. And the fact that we speak in tongues will not change it. Mm. I'm telling you the truth. Yeah. That's how guys are. We are the ones that will push the boundaries first. Especially the knowingly one. The unknowingly, the ladies push that. That's the truth. It's been established. The guys will push the known boundary more than the ladies. And it's the work of the lady to then curate the process. Yeah. This uh, stroll that he said we should be strolling, and we're strolling into darkness. Mm. It's the lady that should say, ah, bros, there's nothing here now, mm. and it's dark. I beg, make return. Yeah. And you two are not behaving like one naive person that just came to Lagos, and you're following, <laughs> following to, yeah. And then you get there. The, the guy is still saved, but he's tempted. Yeah, he's tempted. And he's trying to act it out. And he's trying to make an occasion for the flesh. And there's a difference between the flesh and the devil. I'll teach you that someday. Yeah, the devil can use the flesh, but the flesh is already there. Mm. And the flesh has its own place before mm. even the devil comes in. Mm. Yeah. So acting out according to my flesh sometimes does not have anything to do with the devil. Mm. And I, and I just want to, I think this is really awesome. Just one word that just entered my heart while uh, PG was talking was just, I wanted to say, um, as much as these words are coming, we're being taught about the proper way to date and how to handle our dating relationships. Also have this at the back of our minds that whatever that is projected in the media is not the standard. What Kim and Kanye are doing is not the standard. What Drake and... Uh, Rihanna doing is not the standard. So please, as you read through and you watch through and you see what they are doing, please, they are not the standards of dating. So we, our own standard is different from their own. So whereas those things don't matter anymore, whereas those things don't, uh, don't hold sway anymore and all that. I mean, I, I just returned, I just returned from um, 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 administration in, in Chicago and all that, and, and two people walked up to me. To all through the meeting, 
the meeting that we were in, all through the meeting, they held hands all through the, they were praying together. When I, when I would preach and say something, they would just smile and one would just give the other a peck and all that. And I just kept saying, wow, lovely couple. God will bless this home. God will really bless this home. And then in between, during the time when they cried, they would squeeze their hands together and they would cry together, you know. And it was really very beautiful. So after the meeting, when they walked up to me, before they even said anything, I already started saying, I said, what? there's just this thick love. There's this thing, you know. I said, Tell me about yourself. When did you get married? I said, Pastor, we're still believing God. We're not yet married. I said, you're not yet married? I said, that's not, it doesn't work here. And I'm like, you're not yet married. I'm like, but, but are you having sex? And all that. He said, yeah, that's okay. And I was shocked. But then again, they were very, they acted very spiritual. Please, let me tell you. That thing that Americans are doing is not our standard. Even if they are speaking in tongues. I don't know whether you're getting what I'm saying. That thing we see even in the preacher's dating. This preacher is dating this preacher. And all that. Ah, ah, pastor, can't you see that preacher that is dating this preacher? This is um, a singer that sang that powerful worship song. He's on the beach with this other, uh, whatever. And they're even kissing, touching. And then in my church, they are there. They are not our standard. Stop looking at them. The Bible already said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So uh, that's the last question for Pastor Idris. And uh, you need to handle the person who wrote the question. Just see the rest of them, Pastor. How do I know the one, especially when there are more than one prospect, prospective persons, both are godly and hardworking? And, uh, you know, I, I want to be able to decide. You need to see your pastor. Mm. He will tell you about that one. And there's also a question about why dating or courtship is kissing aloud. We have said it as we're talking. Yeah. We, we, we said it in the midst of the talk. You know, it's kissing aloud. The question is this. What's the purpose of kissing? Yeah. What's the purpose of kissing? And when I kiss... <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> He's afraid. <laughs> I wasn't about to use it for practice. I'm, I'm married. <laughs> I'm married. So when, when you want to kiss somebody, what's the feeling and the imagery on your mind? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Okay, so, so let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. I'm trying to be practical. Pastor Jerry, can I shake your hand? When I shake Pastor Jerry's hand, mm -hmm. if we're meeting in the morning, mm -hmm. in my mind, I'm mm -hmm. like, my guy, we're just as in, mm -hmm. it's handshake mm -hmm. and it's a greeting. Mm -hmm. That's the purpose of the handshake. What is the purpose of the kissing? <laughs> you know, in the Bible, the Bible says, kiss one another with only kiss. <laughs> I, you understand what I'm saying? That's, that means it's possible to do something with a particular purpose but it's also possible to do something with a perverted purpose. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. So, which is why I'm saying that. What's the purpose of the kiss? And what kind of kiss? Because when you say kiss, it's too broad. Mm. You understand? Because you, you can give somebody a peck. It's, they call it good night peck. But when you, 
When you do the good night peck, what's mm. going through your mind? Is it a precursor to something bigger? Or is it just a greeting? Yeah. Because my daughter will give me a peck when I drop her in school in the morning. Have a great day, Dad. You understand? What's going through her mind? It's just a great day kiss to Daddy, and it's a greeting. Is that what you do with your fiancé? Or is it the one that tongue will touch tongue? And we're exploring the mouth. Mm. And it's a precursor to something else. Mm. Because we need to define this as yes, so. we can't be legalistic. Mm. You are adults. You don't set unnecessary boundaries for adults. You give understanding and knowledge. Yeah. Why do we want to be kissing? Is that a way of greeting? Or what does it communicate? Mm. Or is it without the kissing, we cannot communicate that we love each other? You know, all those, we need to ask those questions. You understand what I'm saying? Because you can't pop petrol and be lighting fire, naked fire around petrol and say it will not burn. Mm. And you know, the moment you start all the heavy petting and kissing, you are pushing the boundary. Too much. Yeah. The way we are wired, men or women, is that when we start to push boundaries, we don't stop, except there's an intervention. Yeah. So today, we just started dating. We started by holding hands. Mm. After a while, we feel like, and eh, we're not communicating this effectively. Effectively. <laughs> so from holding hands to hugging, to passionate hug, mm. to necking, to heavy petting, and then to real heavy kissing. Mm. And one day, boom, we just live together. Yeah. That's how it happens. Normally, that's how it happens. That is it. That is the progression. We already knew that this peck is not a greeting. Mm. It is, I'm, I can feel you, feel me. <laughs> so don't do it. That's what I'll say. I'll say, when you, you want to peck or do anything like that, just let each other, this is not, we're not trying to make out. Yeah, so if I, if I peck you, I'm just greeting you. It's just, it's just like we can see in the morning. You can't see somebody in the morning and say good morning like you do to your colleagues at work and you're thinking evil in your mind. It has a purpose. It's just a greeting. And it's an, a greeting that has a measure of endearment. There's nothing wrong in that. And, and I mean, to just further um, just uh, agree with what Pastor is saying, I just want to say also that Knowing why we kiss is also important, and knowing when we should stop is important. You know, because how many times have you ever started kissing and you stopped rightly? Like you started kissing, and then at some point you now realize, let's stop, oh, let's stop, we need to stop, and all that. It doesn't always work that way. And when a relationship is full of so much purposes to accomplish, there is less time to ask when we should kiss and when we should not kiss. During your dating, there are too many things to pray about. There are too many things to plan about. There are too many things to begin to come. This is why you get into marriage and it looks like you came into a strange place. Because all the while you were dating, you were using it to kiss. Stop kissing and face the right things. Hallelujah. Okay, hallelujah. Praise God. Um, okay, thank you very much, Pastor Godman. Thank you very much, thank Pastor you. Thank you. Um, so, no, 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 hang on. I'm just, that's very serious. 
how you can reduce this message to kissing. <laughs> but, but as we spoke about different things over the last two weeks, I have a prayer in my heart. I, I, I want to pass to God, man, I mean, Pastor Jerry, please, to just pray. Um, I know that because I've been married now for 12 years, on 12 years in December. Yeah. As I say, my wife has done most of the heavy lifting. I've just been coasting. Eh? But, but I know that, and I sense that there may be people who have genuine concerns about how they will end up. And I just want you know, to encourage somebody that you know, if you follow God, um, you will be an exceptional wife. Amen. You will be an exceptional husband. And I'm not saying it because I want to make you feel happy. It's because, and I think Pastor Jerry said, God's word cannot be broken. So the things that we've spoken about over the last couple of days are important. As you hold on to them and you honor God. Um, when we you know, gather wherever it is in another 15, 20 years, your testimony will be that you're an exceptional husband, an exceptional wife. I'd like us to pray. It's really very important. Um, and, and we'll just sing a song, one minute, and then I'd like to ask you know, Pastor Jerry to please pray for us. I don't know who is dealing with concerns in their heart, but it's been, in my, it's been heavy in my heart over the last 30 minutes. Okay? So we'll just take one song, if you don't mind. All right? And we'll just pray. Um, you make my life... So